In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, woman, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sins, now the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, that instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, granted by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and never rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Lady Guadalupe, pray for pray us. St. Joseph, pray for us. Father Terry, pray for us. St. Nation Leola, all God's angels and saints, pray for us. and the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good afternoon. How are the meditations going? Pretty well? Yeah? Yeah? Do you like the chapters? Good. Good. All right. Um, this is our, our fifth session. Uh, last session we had to go to the other building because of the feast day of Our Lady Guadalupe. So what I'd like to do today is um, give you some practical points on how we can grow in our devotion to Mary. And my hope, my prayer is that all of us will be apostles of Mary. Try to become ardent, zealous apostles of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And as a result of that, you'll be able to glorify God and you'll be able to work for the salvation of souls. So I Hope we're going to be forming all of you into ardent apostles of Mary. And uh, you might pray to Maximilian Colby. You might pray to St. Louis de Montfort. You might pray to St. Alphonse de Liguri. You might pray to St. Bernard. You might pray to St. John Paul II because these were ardent, ardent, zealous apostles of Mary and great saints too. Okay, great saints. So I, I mentioned a few that you encounter in my book, some of these great Marian saints. Padre Pio also. Saint Therese. These are the great Marian saints. All saints are Marian saints, but some have a, a special charism, Marian charism. And given that we are obliged to the Virgin Mary, our charism is to give the exercises, but also to get people to get to know and love Mary. So uh, at the end, I'll give you a, a short written work, um, a summary of my talk. But I'd like to go through, uh, I've actually written down 10 ways that we can all uh, go deeper in our devotion to Mary and become Marian apostles. So without wasting any time, um, the first thing I'd like to mention is to start your day by consecrating yourself to Mary. If you are consecrating Mary, you want to start off your day by consecrating yourself to Mary. And you can choose various <coughs> prayers of consecration. St. Louis de Montfort has a very long one. Uh, my consecration, I say, is the one uh, the, uh, the one of Maximilian Colby. 
so the first thing I do when I hear my alarm clock is uh, first thing I do is I don't hit the snooze button because I don't even know what that is. No, it doesn't exist in my vocabulary. I get up. That alarm clock, that's the voice of God saying, get out of bed whether you feel like it or not, okay? So the first words I say are, O Senora mia, O Madre mia, yo me ofrezco de todo ti, preben mi filial la fecta, te consagro neceri mis ojos, mis oídos, mi lengua, mi corazón, en una palabra todo mi ser, ya que soy todo tuyo. Madre bonad, guarda me, defiende me, I don't know it in English, so I say it in Spanish, okay? <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah, of course, yes. Oh, yes. The Father says, I, you're the only one to know who got a degree in English and then you stop speaking the language, no? I went to Italy, then Argentina, then Chile, well, I'm back in... Beautiful downtown Hawaiian Gardens, huh? <laughs> so, your uh, first prayer should be an act of consecration to Mary, whichever one you like best. Then, with that, I strongly encourage all of you to start off your day after you've made that consecration. You're all wearing your brown scapular, of course. This is one that my mother made, a handmade scapula by Mrs. Broom. Okay? Once you've got the miraculous medal inside, and you have the medal of St. Benedict. Okay? So, after your act of consecration, you kiss the scapula, and the church gives you an indulgence. You know, Every time you kiss the scapula, you receive an indulgence, which you can apply to the souls in purgatory, you can apply to yourself. And then, this is, uh, this is my own private devotion. I take the scapular and I bless my forehead. I bless my eyes, ears. I bless my lips, my tongue three times because I talk a lot. Okay? <laughs> then I bless my heart. So that's my own Father Broom private devotion. So I, I want Mary to bless my thoughts. I want Mary to hear what's pleasing to God. I want Mary to help me to contemplate the beauty of God through my eyes. I want Mary to help me to proclaim the greatness of God by my words. And most important, I want Mary to give me the grace to love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen? Amen. So if you'd like to follow my private devotion, I give you permission. Okay? Okay, I give you Permission, okay? Now, if you're not, if you don't have the scapula on, all of you should try to get a scapula. Uh, all of you should, ha should have a scapula. I've done Marian consecrations in many parishes the past 10 years. And I've, I've probably put on probably 15,000 scapulas, yeah. Going from parish to parish and in the day of consecration, the mass of consecration, we, we give uh, a scapular. So wear that as your exterior sign that you belong to Mary by wearing the scapular. So I have the scapular, I have the miraculous medal, 
and I always carry my rosary. Those are the three most important Marian devotions, which are written, which are in my book, by the way. No? The rosary, the scapular, and the miraculous medal. I say are the probably three most prominent Marian devotions. There are others too, but those would be the big three. The big three. One last thing on the scapular. Uh, once you are enrolled in the scapular, you are you belong to the religious order of the Carmelites. Okay? You become a third order of the Carmelites, and uh, if you break your scapular, you, you don't have to have it blessed, even though you buy a new one. I mean, I, I do it anyway. But if you were you're, you're officially enrolled in it then you don't, even, you don't even have to have it blessed again. Now, if you're my age or older, especially you're a New Yorker, uh, we, we, all of us, when we made our first communion, we were enrolled in uh, this, the scapula. That, that was done you know, 55, 60 years ago. Here in California, I don't know, but uh, maybe we New Yorkers are more religious than Californians. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so that's the first step is you want to make sure that you start off your day consecrating yourself to... to. Now, that, that little gesture is important. You start off the day, you consecrate yourself to merit, your, your scapular. Uh, if you're not doing it, you're going to notice a difference. You're going to notice a difference, no? So you're giving yourself to Mary. You belong to Mary. But you're starting off in a formal way. Because it's a formal, explicit way. I'm giving my eyes, my ears, my lips, my ears, my heart, my whole being to Jesus through Mary. Now, if you want to repeat then, you want to repeat that prayer during the course of the day, you have my blessing. Okay? You want to end your day by saying that prayer, you also have my blessing. We, we, wanna, we want to... Consecration to Mary, uh, this course is not a, a formal consecration to Mary the way you've done it possibly with me. This is more getting to know Mary by the book that I wrote. But if you're consecrated to Mary, it's not, it's not an event, but rather it's a style of life in which you belong to Mary. I'm an oblate of the Virgin Mary. My charism is I belong to Mary. Oblate means you're a total offering of Jesus through the hands of Mary. So uh, hopefully you share in the charism of the oblates, okay? You're coming to an oblate parish, you're listening to an oblate priest. And the emblem on the oblate writings would be in the Latin for Maria Cogita, Maria Invoca. Maria Cogita means Latin for... Think of Mary. Invoca means to invoke Mary. That's that's pure oblate of the Virgin Mary. If you meet any oblate, they all know what that means. If you're not in you probably don't know what it means, but that's part of our heritage. Think about Mary. Invoke Mary. Okay? Amen? Amen? All right. The next step I'd like to encourage in your ongoing formation of the Blessed Virgin Mary is this is going to be a life a lifelong pursuit is read on Mary okay 
My book has been helpful, right? It's, an, it's a short dictionary encyclopedia, but it's not exhaustive, I think, in, in 270 pages. There's a lot in it, okay? A lot in it. Okay, now, a lot of this that I've written is, is, has come from my own reading, okay? Now, I don't have a doctorate in Mariology, but I know Mary, I know Mary pretty well. So I would encourage you to um, to follow up on reading on the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I would say your reading can divide it into the analogy I gave you of the of the um, Olive Garden salad. Remember the analogy I gave you? It's an analogy. It's a culinary savoring analogy. Okay. If you just eat the salad without the condiments, pretty boring. No? But you put those condiments on, man, as the Italians do it, ah. <laughs> so, an integral Mariology has to have both devotion and doctrine. Okay? And I said, doctrine without devotion can be pretty arid and dry. Whereas devotion without doctrine can degenerate into, into sentimentalism. So there has to be a harmonious blend between the two. So I would say study, uh, study theology. Study theology, Marian theology. But also stu- study Marian devotion. So let me give you some suggestions first with, the, with respect to theology. Problem is, once I start talking about books, you can. I'm a non-stop speaker. No. <laughs> uh, sometimes I start to talk, and then I never get get through the next point. But I'll give you some most salient uh, writings on Mary. All right. Over the past uh, 60 years, I'd have to say the most important. Writing over the past 60 years is okay. Vatican II. You've heard of, you've heard me mention Vatican II, right? Have you heard of that Vatican II people? Yes. Okay. Okay. The dogmatic constitutions, which would be Sacrosanctum Concilium, Dei Verbum, Gaudium et Spes, and then you have Lumen Gentium. Lumen Gentium is the most famous. Okay, it's the most famous. Lumen Gentium has eight chapters. The fifth chapter I love is the universal called the holiness. But the eighth chapter in Lumen Gentium is on the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's not that long. They're thinking, the Council Fathers are thinking of doing a separate dogmatic constitution on Mary, but they decided to put that in the context of this dogmatic constitution on the church, Lumen Gentium. But the eighth chapter, the eighth chapter is is on the Blessed Virgin Mary. So you who are really interested in getting to know Mary dogmatically, theologically, intellectually, that is a must. You know, if you're jumping over that, you're you're building a house on sand. Okay, so Lumen Gentium chapter five, uh, chapter eight rather. 
The essence of that is Mary's Mater Ecclesiae, if you, if you speak, know a little bit of Latin. Okay? Mary's the mother of the church. Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen was present when they proclaimed Mary as the mother of the church and the council fathers got up for about four or five minutes and applauded. One of the longest applauses in the history of the church when they proclaimed Mary as the mother of the church. All right, so just highlight that. It's not that long. I mean, Vatican II, you've got, Vatican II, you've got 16 documents, but that, that's one chapter of the most important dogmatic constitution in Vatican II. Vatican II and the Catechism of the Catholic Church are the two most important uh, documents in the past 65 years. The Catechism of the Catholic Church as well as Vatican II. All right. Now, I'll mention about three church documents and a little bit of devotion. Some, uh, some of you uh, have gone, went to a couple of my talks that I gave in St. Therese in um, Alhambra. And if you remember, I gave a series of talks on the Mass. Some of you came to that. Okay, maybe Nancy, remember, I spent a whole session on Marialis Cultus. Remember? So, Marialis Cultus, maybe a few of you, okay, maybe Roxanne was there too. Marialis Cultus. That's the document of, jo- of Paul VI on Mary in the church year, the liturgical church year. That you can read very profitably. I find, reading literature, I find John Paul II is, is hard to read. A lot of his readings are very dense. And he has a more Eastern style than the Latin style of writing. If you, if you follow my writing, it's typical. I, I've got topic, I've got intro, I've got the body, the conclusion. That's usually what you write. Whereas the Eastern is an idea and its spiral goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's not... It's more difficult for me because I'm from the, I'm from the West, no? And I'm, I'm a part of my own culture, right? But my, I find Pope Paul VI very easy to understand. I love, I love reading the, I love reading the, uh, the writings of Paul VI, Ecclesium Suum, Marialis Cultus, Humana Vitae, Evangelii Nunciandi, excellent document on the evangelization, no? All of you have read all the encyclicals of Paul the Sex, right? <laughs> Let's broaden our horizon, okay? Okay, from there, okay, JP2, JP2 wrote one encyclical on the Blessed Mother. JP2 wrote, his first encyclicals were on the Blessed Trinity. And even know the first encyclical of John Paul II? Red into Ominus, Christ the Redeemer of Man. Then Divis and Misericordia, God rich in mercy, which would be on the prodigal son. Then another one on the Holy Spirit. Then he wrote one on Mary, Mater Redentoris. So Mater Redentoris, Mary the Mother of the Redeemer. Okay, I'm going to give you a little idea in ecclesiology. When a, 
When John Paul II wrote his encyclical, what was the first word in his encyclical? Redentor ominus, which means redeemer of man. That means his whole encyclical would focus on those first two words. Interesting. You understand? Those first two words of a first encyclical would be the essence of his pontificate. And you read through the writings of JP2, is always focusing upon Christ. Especially Christ as Redeemer. Okay, well, how, how, how are you in Latin? Mata written taught us. Mary, the mother of the Redeemer. Okay. See the consistency there? Focusing on Christ. Which is very Ignatian, too. What is the fruit of the exercises? Intimate knowledge of Jesus, that you love him more ardently, and you follow him more closely. That's the heart of the exercises. Okay, so I could, I could give you more um, ecclesial documents, but that's enough to whet your appetite, huh? Okay, devotion now. So, the doctrine is, is directed more at your intellect, even though it sinks into your heart, too. So, marrying devotion... I remember once having a theological, theological debate with Father Larry Darnell. Our, I said, this is the greatest work ever written on Mary. He said, no, that's the second greatest work. And I said, the greatest work written on Mary is the glories of Mary. Don't tell me you've never heard of that. Otherwise, you're going to cast me into desolation. <laughs> oh, you haven't? Okay, well, that's why we're here learning, right? Glories of Mary is written by St. Alphonse of Liguri. Yeah. Probably he and Alphonse are the most prolific writers in the Catholic Church. Now, if you don't have Glories of Mary, try to, try to get the Glories of Mary. And maybe get a, a modern translation. Very interesting that when my, when my brother, my older brother, went to Dartmouth, which is when the Ivy League school is on the East Coast, there in New Hampshire, he had a spiritual director in what is called the Aquinas Club. Aquinas Club would be the, um, the Newman Club. Same thing. But we've got some young men and women from Pomona. It's incredible. This priest there was pumping a priest left and right from an Ivy League secular college. Four or five of my friends and my brother who went to Aquinas Club, they're priests now. The canon lawyer for EW10 was a companion of my brother. EW10, the canon lawyer, you see him? He studied with my brother. The glories of Mary were translated by Dennis Billy, who's a redemptorist, who was a companion with my brother. No? Now he's a redemptorist. No? So there are vocations, even in secular university, you just have to have a good chaplain there. Hint, hint. Okay. <laughs> so Glories of Mary is a, it is a, it is a spiritual masterpiece. It, 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 
Some of you have heard of Mark Twain. Maybe not, I don't know. Have you? Now, you would be surprised, Mark Twain, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry, but his greatest work was Joan of Arc. Did you know that? And it's published by Ignatius Press. Mark Twain wasn't even a believer, but he admired Joan of Arc so much, her purity, her holiness, her courage. Joan of Arc will probably go down as among the top five military leaders in the history of the world. Maybe the top three. Going beyond Patton. And, you know, some of these big guns, no? She never went to West Point. <laughs> Didn't exist, by the way. No? She was formed by God, St. Catherine of Alexandria, St. Michael the Archangel, the voices that she heard. That wasn't schizophrenia. That was real voices, okay? So the greatest work of Alphonsus was the glories of Mary. Let me give you a succinct literary summary of this book. Okay? It's based on the Hail Holy Queen. Didn't know that, huh? Okay, it's based on the Hail Holy Queen. And what he does is he takes the Hail Holy Queen, he takes one word at a time, and they spend like ten, you know, five pages, ten pages on one word. And he'll explain it in graphic detail. And he'll take what? Old Testament resources, New Testament resources, the fathers of the church, the doctors of the church, the saints. It's a, it's a synthesis of all the Mariology up until the uh, 18th century. Because that's when he lived in the 18th, 19th century. So he takes, he, he, he explains it, then any teachers here, he gives a story. Anyone is a teacher here? You're a good teacher if you know how to tell stories. You're a good storyteller. So he'll take the idea, hell, holy, and then he explains it, then after that, he'll give, he'll give a story. Can I give one? Okay, now, you're going to laugh at this, but this is 300 years ago. It's uh, marine, biolo- marine biology of the, the 1800s. Are you listening? Okay, have a, you have a, have a whale. You have the little baby whales. So when a shark comes, what does the mother whale do? She opens up her mouth and she sucks in the baby whales until the shark goes, and then she spits them out. <laughs> That's exactly what the Blessed Mother does for us. And the whale is symbolic of the devil. Amen. No? <laughs> kind of like that. Okay, it's primitive marine biology, but not bad, huh? <laughs> not bad, huh? Yeah. So, well, he'll, he'll give a, a little simple story. We kind of laugh at it, but don't forget, this is 300 years ago, uh, and uh, people 300 years ago understood that better than we understand it. And then what he does is he writes a beautiful prayer in honor of Mary. I, I love his style. Okay, it explains the word. Then after he explains the word, he gives a story. Then you pray over it so that you take it within you. You take Mary within you. 
in a certain sense, it's kind of like a, a harmonious blend of doctrine and devotion. Okay? All right. The next one would be would be true devotion to Mary. Well, Larry said that that's number one. They're both they're both superb. Saint, true devotion to Mary is Saint Louis de Montfort. And if you read my Marian writings, they're always influenced by Saint Louis de Montfort. I made my first consecration when I was about to enter into my junior year at college. You no. Know? And I'll betray my age in 1976. <laughs> then it, after that, I want to become a priest. So I attribute true, true devotion to Mary to my, my vocation to priesthood. I already had it. And when I finished that, I was certain that God was calling me to become a priest. True devotion to Mary. Then on a, on a, on a personal note, this is just me, uh, I love reading on Fatima. I mean, it's just me. Just me. I love Fatima. Reading up on Fatima, the memoirs of Lucy, Father Andrew Apostoli wrote a really good work on the Lady of Fatima. There's a lot written on Fatima. But of all the I mean, I love our Lady Guadalupe Lourdes, but Fatima, it's just, for me, it just it touches me very deeply. And the third, the, the last work is just, a, it's a spiritual masterpiece. It's the Marian Compendium by Father Broom. That's another week in purgatory, right? <laughs> I'll see you in purgatory. <laughs> yes. St. Louis de Montfort said we're as proud as peacocks, right? <laughs> so reading up, on, reading up on Mary is very important. We're living in difficult times, but we're living in the golden epic of literature, really. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good works out there today. Just a matter of discovering them. I knew a priest that said, "Did you ever notice when your spiritual reading is really going well that you also meditate well? Did you ever notice that? When you're you're doing some good spiritual reading, that that fosters your good meditation, and it stands to reason because you're reading, you're filling your mind." with the truth, and then when you go to prayer, well, you already have your mind enlightened by the truth. So, see, there's an intimate connection between good spiritual reading and meditation or contemplation. Yeah. Your prayer is, Ignatius calls the three powers of the soul. You've got the intellect, memory, and you have the will. Okay, next. Because the next would be to consecrate yourself to consecrate yourself to Mary. Now if you have already consecrated yourself to Mary, uh, it's a good idea to consecrate yourself to Mary to renew it every year. It's like the exercise, you've done the exercise with me? Okay, I'll do them every year. Because we go deeper and deeper and deeper. 
The analogy I give is if you're walking along the seashore and the wave breaks and the foam just brushes your feet, then you go out five miles and you drop the anchor, it's going down and down and down and down. That's a relationship to Mary. It can be very superficial, but it can go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the deeper your devotion to Mary, the deeper your love for Christ. As I said, Muhammad, you love St. Joseph, he brings you to Mary, and Mary brings you to Christ. Isn't that true? Yeah. So, consecration to Mary. Now, there are many different, there are many different consecrations. There's John Paul II, entrustment, it's called entrustment. There is Colby, in which he insists a lot upon the Immaculata. And there's a young priest who, who had as his spiritual director Father Broom, Father Mike Gately. I was his spiritual director many years ago. He wrote 33 Days to Morning Glory. And yours, yours truly wrote a consecration to Mary through the Mysteries of the Rosary. Okay? So this is another one of my books. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that mine is better than, than any other consecration. They're all different. They're all, they're, they're all different. They're all focused on and drawn close to Mary. Mine is, mine is unique in this sense. That mine is the most biblical because you're meditating upon the 20 mysteries of the rosary and then the seven sorrows of Mary. And the mysteries of the rosary are very biblical. You know, even a Protestant could do this. Do you have any Protestant friends? Give give them this as a Christmas gift. And I'll sign it. Really, because they they say all is Bible. Okay, what's the joyful mysteries? Luke 1 and 2. How about the Sorrowful Mysteries? Matthew 25 and 26. No, 26, 27. What about, what about the Glorious Mysteries? Glorious Mysteries, Matthew 28. And then you've got uh, Acts 1 and 2. And then the, the fourth and fifth are Revelation 12, 1. Then the Luminous Mysteries are what? The Baptism of our Lord, Mark 1. Wedding Feast of Cana, John 2. Proclamation of the Kingdom, Mark 1, 15, or Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Transfiguration, Matthew 17. Then you got the institution of the Eucharist and the priesthood, John chapter 6, Matthew 26, 26 and 28. How about that for knowing the Bible, huh? <laughs> Impressive, huh? Yeah. All in the memory, huh? Yeah, you get a Protestant in the debate with Father Broom, he's going to have, have a toughie, huh? But it's biblical. It's biblical. Because they base everything on the Bible. Fine. Take them where they're at. Yeah, I, I, I can't see how anyone with good faith, anyone with good faith could not have this love and appreciation for Mary if you just simply follow the Bible. Yeah. What is the longest chapter in the Bible? Luke chapter 1, 81 verses. There you meet Mary, right? 
You got the Annunciation. You got the Visitation. What about what about Luke chapter two? The birth, the presentation, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. It's all biblical. You know, you can you can be a you can be a selective listener. Are you, are you listening to me? <laughs> you, you can be a selective listener. You can be a selective reader. In literature, you can read according to your own perspective if you want. You can falsify the text. But simply to discard Mary, that's that's very erroneous biblical reading. It is. It's pick and choose. And, and Mary is always pointing us to Christ. Oh, you love Mary too much, then you're going to be putting Christ in the background. I, I get angry at that. Because it's so stupid. What did Mary say? Do whatever he tells you. The best advice in the world. Do whatever he tells you. What does she say? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Magnifies us. None term the Magnificat. The Latin magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord. So thanks be to God that we're Catholics because the Catholic Church gives us a proper interpretation of sacred scripture. I think it was G.K. Chesterton that said, little knowledge is dangerous. Chesterton, great writer, no? Little knowledge is dangerous. So you just read a little, just just read the cover of the book. Okay, hey, I read Father Bloom's book. How was it? I just read the cover. Well, you know. Thanks a lot, okay? Well, at least it's a start, right? <laughs> you open it up and read it, too. <laughs> So consecrate yourself to Mary. And if you've done it, renew it. Go deeper. Okay, then the next uh, would be getting to know Marian feast days. Getting to know Marian feast days. For that reason, they mentioned about ten minutes ago, Pope Paul VI and his Apostolic Exhortation that came out in uh, 1974, which is called Marialis Cultus. In the conferences I gave in Alhambra, that, I think, that was the first conference I think I gave was Mary in the context of the liturgy. So if you really love, if you really love Mary, if I, if I throw a month out at you, you should know what are the Marian feast days in that month. Okay, if you really love her, I would say basically the, the universal. If you go like to Brazil or you go to Italy or other countries, there's there's local Marian feast days. But I'm saying those that are universal. If you go in Brazil, there are certain ones that we probably have never heard of. If you go to Italy, they're all over the place. You know? But uh, the universal ones. For example, if I tell you September, what do you have? Okay, September 8th, Mary's birthday. September 12th would be the titular feast of the Oblates. So we have houses in Brazil, okay? Which would be the holy name of Mary. That's our titular feast day. Then the 15th of Mary would be Our Lady of Sorrows. So you should be so versant in Marian feast days that right away you have 
You have the month. Okay, what? Okay, what? What are the Marin feast days in this month? Okay. Okay. Well, here in the month of December, you've got you have the Immaculate Conception. December 9th is Juan Diego indirectly. You have Our Lady there. December 10th, Our Lady of Loreto, the Holy House. December 12th, you have Our Lady Guadalupe. And Paul VI says, at the season of Advent is Marian. And the season of Christmas is, is Marian. Of course, focusing on Christ. But Paul VI says, Advent Mary in waiting. She's pregnant. She's awaiting the birth of Christ, which will be in a week from today. So get to know these key Marian feast days and go to Mass and receive communion in honor of Mary. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm going to tell tell you right the the secret to holiness. I'll give you the shortcut. Would you like to know it? It's, It's a shortcut. It's receiving Holy Communion through the heart of Mary. If you start to do that, you will start to really skyrocket in your spiritual life. Start to do it next time you next time you go to Mass. Try it. You receive communion through your own heart, fine. You receive communion through the heart of Mary, it's going to be a thousand times better. A thousand times better. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa said, Lord Jesus, give me the heart of your mother so I can love you with her heart. Beautiful way to receive communion. Asking for the heart of Mary. You're going to see, if you do that, you're going to see your spiritual love, and it's, it's going to go up. Yes, receive, receive Holy Communion, yes, but through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And probably none of you have ever done that before. Start to do it. And it, 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 it's just a short prayer. Okay, you're, you're in Mass. Okay, Mary, here I am, honor your Son. Give me your heart so I can love Him with your heart. That's an infallible prayer. And very efficacious. Amen? Amen. Very efficacious. Okay, other ways to foster our love and devotion to Mary so we can be true apostles of Mary would be the, uh, the miraculous medal if you remember my second conference, I spent most of the time on the Miraculous Medal. Remember? And I told you the story of uh, Claude Newman. Maybe you forgot about that story, but it's a beautiful story. I didn't have time to explain the symbolism, but we gave you the sheets, right? Hopefully you have the sheets of the Miraculous Medal, the front and the back, No. Hope you didn't make make them into airplanes, okay? That you have those <laughs> sheets in your archives, and you you're looking at them. Uh, that's uh, I, I, I really believe if you if you want to be an Marian apostle, having the miraculous medal, giving it out, and uh, friend of mine, Michael, I don't know if Michael is here, he gave me a lot of miraculous medals. He gave me a whole storage of miraculous medals in which 
we can give out. Maximilian Kolbe would do that. Wherever he would go, he would give miraculous medals to people. But then, give them a miraculous medal, and you might even give them an explanation of the miraculous medal. There are little pamphlets where it explains the symbolism in the miraculous medal. So, if 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 you if you want to give if you want to give a catechesis a catechesis on Mary by means of uh, an image or a medal, I don't think there's anything better than that. There you are, you may, there you are in bonds, food for less, you're waiting in the line, there's someone in front of you. Hey, this is for you, a miraculous medal. I'm a Jehovah Witness. Well, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you, your bananas and this new medal we have. Okay? <laughs> Explain it. On side, you have the words, O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us over the course of thee. Have Mary standing up. You have the rays that are emanating from her hands. You have Mary standing on the globe. And if you look closely, Mary's actually standing on the serpent, okay? Which is Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium. And you turn it over, and you have, on the other side, you've got the 12 stars, which is the woman of the apocalypse, Revelation chapter 12. Then you have the cross, and below the cross, you've got the M, which is Mary's co-redemptrix. And you have the two hearts. You'll see the two hearts. There's a heart that has the thorns surrounding it, and that would be the sacred heart of Jesus. Then you have the sword, which is piercing the heart of Mary, and that would be Our Lady of Sorrows. So I've, I've gone through all the different details in two minutes, but you could spend time explaining all of those different Theological interpretations of those of those um, different things that are engraved on the miraculous medal. So maybe carry some of them in your in your purse or your pocket. When you see people, give them out. There was a, a man that moved to another state, uh, Michael Lajevic. Some of you know him. He would walk in front of abortion clinics. And he would give out those miraculous medals in front of the abortion clinics, and some of the people even go in and have an abortion. Take this. That that will that will spare abortions. That will that will prevent it. Not always, but at times it will. They opened up an abortion clinic there in Massachusetts. My mom with her friend went there. They plant the miraculous medal. In the bricks, they made a holy hour, and shortly after that, the abortion clinic closed down. Yeah. True story. And it's not so much the medal, but it's the faith and the power of Mary. And prayer, fervent prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament. The walls of Jericho came crumbling down. The walls of that clinic, abortion clinic, came crumbling down because of two humble, fervent women who love life. Who love life. Okay, so that's my next suggestion. Then I would encourage all of you to try to imitate 
Mary's virtues. Try to imitate Mary's virtues. All of you read through the chapter I wrote on Mary's virtues. And it's very true that we tend to we tend to uh, imitate those with whom we associate. As they say in Mexican Spanish, dime con quien anda te diga quien eres. Okay? Dime con quien anda te diga quien eres. Tell me with whom you hang out or your associate and I'll tell you who you are. Okay? A word or two on that. First of all, uh, see in your life which which is your weakest virtue. Don't say it publicly now, okay? <laughs> what is your weakest virtue? A gluttony, okay. I'll lead to that. Okay. <laughs> I'll eat and drink to that, okay? Uh, so you want to ask Mary to do the Aja de Contra, to, to practice the opposite virtue. And all of us are different. We all have our kryptonite. We all have our kryptonite. Here's, here's a page from the Confessions of St. Augustine. Uh, the first autobiography by, by Augustine. St. Augustine was baptized by St. Ambrose in the Duomo of Milan. And he was baptized with his son. Do you know he had a son? Yeah. Adeodatus. And he was baptized with one of his best friends, Olypius. Olypius was a good friend of Augustine. They were both intellectuals and they were both, uh, both baptized together because they, were, they received the gift of faith. But totally, totally different weak points. For example, Augustine was a slave to sex until he was in his 30s. He was a slave. And he would say, Lord, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. That was his prayer. <laughs> give me chastity, but maybe next year, okay? He really, he really struggled to overcome that. And I would say this would be a good study because of a, a lousy father. Father just promoted his sensuality, and he was converted his father. But his father, his father just promoted his his passions. No? Be a man, no. Then he finds a real father in Saint Ambrose. That was the real father, Saint Ambrose. No? Intellectual, masculine guy, strong, valiant, courageous. He liked his preaching, but just the valor, the courage of this man. But Olympias 
couldn't understand how could anyone at all be addicted to sex. I mean, you know, the st- stupidest thing in the world. Couldn't understand it. Whereas Olympias, what did he like? He liked to go to the, the gladiator, gladiator games when they threw the people to the lions and you just loved that. Augustine couldn't understand how anyone could possibly like that. No? Very interesting. Two different weak points. So, if we, if we don't have a certain weak point, somebody, how could you possibly, how could you possibly have that weak point? We're all different. But Mary knows our weak point. We want to go to her with our weak point and ask her to help us to conquer it. Amen? Amen. Beg Mary. Devotion to the Immaculate Conception is devotion to purity and holiness. That's right. Devotion to, devotion to purity and holiness. What is Immaculate Conception? It's diametrically opposed to sin. That's what It's diametrically opposed to sin. So the Immaculate Conception is, is the contrary to sin. So you get closer to the Immaculate Conception, what does she do? She... He gets us to move further, further away from serious sin, even smaller sin, in which we're living a very holy life. Very holy life. We're committing less serious sin and less frequent sin through the intercession of Mary. One of my favorite stories in this vein would be the most famous convert of St. Paul, the most famous convert outside Scripture would be St. Augustine. The most famous English convert would be Cardinal Newman okay? from the Oxford movement. Okay? The most famous American convert, I think, would be Scott Hahn. You've heard of him, right? Scott Hahn taught at Steubenville, okay? Franciscan, where my little sister went. He tells a story that when he was a Protestant, because he was a Presbyterian minister, that he would go to bookstores. And he would be buying books. And every time he went to a bookstore, he couldn't resist going to the rack where you had the bad magazines. This is 45 years ago. The Playboy, the Penthouse, the bad magazines. Huh? He prayed a rosary as a Protestant. Pray to Rosary as a Protestant and from that moment on he no longer had a desire to go and look at those bad magazines. Pray to Rosary as a Protestant. <laughs> That's the power of Mary. That's the power of the Rosary. That's the power of her presence within us. Now, Finishing up on this point of uh, imitating Mary's virtue. Here's the theological question of the day. Of all the virtues, what's the greatest? What? No, that's a capital sin. Purity. Obedience, humility. Okay. Marina, I think, said, 
Charity is the greatest of all virtues. Charity. Charity, which is supernatural love. So if you really want to, Aquinas gives this analogy. If you look at, look at your hand, you got the palm and you got the fingers. The, the fingers emanate from the palm. The palm is charity and the five fingers are the other virtues. I like that. That's Aquinas again. So if, if you, it, it, it's, a, it's kind of the short, the shortcut. If you want to grow humility, mortification, patience, purity. Uh, you want to grow in the other virtues. Aim at the greatest, which is charity, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Aim at the greatest. So if you, if you are growing in supernatural love, you're going to be growing in the other virtues. So that's another shortcut. Okay? That's another shortcut. Father Almond says, you know how holy you are right now? The most fervent act of love you can make right now, that's how holy you are right now. But before you go to bed, try to make an, a really fervent act of love for God. That's how holy you are. And when you die, your, your level of holiness will be how much charity you had in your heart the moment you died. So, no, there are different levels of, hol- of, of holiness in heaven. Okay? Those who are most holy are those who love most. Loved God and, of course, loved neighbor. So that's what, that's what we, we aim at. And once again, I'll give you the, co- the, short, the, short, the shortcut is fervent communions because in Holy Communion, you receive the sacred heart of Jesus. Every Holy Communion is a spiritual heart transplant. Amen? Amen. Oh, you sound very poetic. Oh, well, poetic or not, it's true. It's really not poetic, it's real. You receive, you receive, that's the sacred heart of Jesus. Hello? Because, I'll prove it, okay. Communion is body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, right? What is the most noble organ in the human person? The heart and then the mind, okay? The heart is first and the mind. So you receive Holy Communion, you receive, you receive the body of Christ, the most noble organ is the heart. So you will have a spiritual heart transplant every time you receive communion. If you understand it, how could you not start to receive communion better starting tomorrow? And receiving it with the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So I'm teaching you some shortcuts today. Some spiritual shortcuts, no? Saving a lot of labor, huh? <laughs> Okay, next would be so imitating Mary. Okay, having, I, I've written down um, an easy way to understand, having Marian reminders. What are Marian reminders? You're having, having certain sacramentals, certain sacramentals or images. Having brought, having been brought up and raised in basically a wasp, you know what that means? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant culture. 
from the East Coast, uh, living in a very multicultural place like LA. I, I love it because as a whole, the Latinos and the Filipinos have great love for images, which I say is a compliment. No? You go in the home of a Mexican or a Filipino, it's like going into a spiritual museum, right? <laughs> and I say it as a compliment, no? We were hit by the iconoclastic heresy of the Anglos back in, in, back in the 70s, no? You went to the churches there on the East Coast, they're taking all the statues out. Really, I mean, this is back in the 70s in that part of the country. I don't know here in California, probably not, because you have so many Filipinos in Mexico. But they say, get rid of the statues, that because we have to be more intellectual. We have to read the Word of God. We don't have to rely upon that. That's for little children. That's antiquated. That's an obviously fossil in the Middle Ages. Get rid of it. So, uh, have, have holy reminders. And a holy reminder, one would be, now which, which Marian image or statue or painting or icon do you like, do you like best? I think all of us are different. Like if you go from Brazil, there's probably a certain one that you really love. If you're brought up and raised, Mexico usually is a lady Guadalupe. Uh, the Filipinos love Our Lady of Perpetual Help, right? Right? I mean, that's your culture. Which is, the variety is the spice of life. I was brought up with Our Lady of Grace, which is a miraculous medal. My mom had a bitch statue of Our Lady of Grace. Uh, I remember as a five-year-old seeing the, the stepping on the devil kind of scared me, you know, with a big apple in his, head, apple in his uh, mouth. You know? and I was brought up and raised Our Lady of Grace and Our Lady of Fatima. I didn't even know Our Lady of Guadalupe existed, no? But it's all the Blessed Mother. Which one, which one, which one do you prefer? And, or who knows, maybe in your home you can have different images. Okay, in the living room you have a Lady Guadalupe. Okay, in your bedroom you have a Lady Fatima. Okay, there in the game room you have a Lady of Chanstahova. <laughs> but, uh, it's very, very useful having Marian images. Then in your, in your car, in your car do you have a Marian image? Good. How about in your office? Hmm. Okay, in your office. No? Even though it's, it's not politically correct, who cares, right? Have it anyway, okay? So these 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 marrying these are I call them marrying reminders. They remind us of Mary's presence. In my room, I have a lot of Mary images, but I've got I've got four or five pictures of my mom and my dad. And my dad passed away, but I see that 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 gives me happiness because there he is looking at me. You know, one day I'll be upstairs with you. you no, know? a picture of mom and dad. You no. Know? You see someone you really love, it, it, it gives you consolation, right? And I've told the teenagers, because I work with a lot of teenagers, confirmation kids, you know, you know, you should have in your in your room, get rid of that gothic stuff, get rid of that ugly stuff together. I felt 
Sometimes I'm walking, I'm walking the threshold of hell in these teenagers' rooms, you know? I feel I almost have to do an exorcism there, you know? Get a ton of water, holy water, and that'll get rid of half of the devils, no? Anyway, at least half of them, no? And, hey, look, you come home, you had, you had, had a hard day at school. How could it happen? You had a hard day at school, and you went, you enter in, you have, you have divine mercy, and the Lady of Guadalupe greeting you. That's going to turn their de- desolation into consolation. Try to get one big like that in your room, okay? Nice big one like that, okay? <laughs> You're entering in, it's like Mary's greeting you. Mary's greeting you, Jesus is greeting you, right? So, uh, take advantage of these holy reminders. And if you're thinking about giving gifts to, you're giving gifts to people for Christmas, instead of buying them a pizza or some seized candy or maybe, um, you know, a Yankee hat, something like that, why not, why not, why not buy them an attractive image of Jesus and Mary? That would be a beautiful Christmas gift. How about a really nice book? Uh, a nice book. How about five of my books, okay? okay. Uh, a rosary. Give them something spiritual. Yeah, something spiritual. But, okay. So, um, I, I, I've already gotten through uh, seven of these uh, I'd like to mention one more. Live in the presence of Mary. So these holy reminders will help you to live in the presence of Mary. You've heard of living in the presence of God. Live in the presence of Mary. Have you ever heard of Santa Maria del Camino? The song Santa Maria del Camino? Santa Maria del Camino. What does that mean? It means Our Lady of the Way. Wherever we go, we invite Mary to be with us. So uh, I really hope and pray that this course has been helpful to you. Has it? That your love for Mary has grown. Okay. So I'm 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 going to commission you to be the modern Mary Apostles. Okay. You're going to go and set this world on fire through the Magnet Heart of Mary. Let's place our lives in the hand of Mary and I'll give you my priestly blessing and then we'll be able to give you a summary of my talk. I finished most of the points. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, blessed the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, the Mother of God, pray for our sins now and at the hour of our death. The Lord be with you. In the intercession of Mary and all God's angels and saints, may God bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you all, and Eric will have a few words to say. Thank you, Father. Yes. Well, my first announcement is. Um, Really, I think um, 